Oh, jeez. <laughs> Consciousness, it is a choice. Clean yourself and find your voice. Join the choir of the angels. Shalom to our beautiful Jerusalemites audience. And my apologies that we haven't been with you for actually two weeks. We've had a series of, uh, of technical challenges because it must be what we're dealing with is so holy that there's always opposition from the other side. But here we are, that beautiful music, one of my favorite pieces, the part of the body of work of the creative output of our special guest that's with us in the studio today. And I'm so grateful that he's here. His name is David Shomer. He is an, an amazing artist, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a, a musician, a multi-instrumentalist, a musical composer and producer and recording engineer. He's composed, I believe, the soundtrack for numerous movies, and he also um, records his own music under the name Tete Bero that he'll tell us all about, I hope. And you can find his amazing music on Spotify and Apple Music and that sort of thing. But he's also an avid Torah student. And he is also a, I believe it's called, he is a wisdom holder in the tradition of a Peruvian tribe that possesses a traditional knowledge of the healing power of plants. I know him as a true friend, a very serious student of Torah, and humble servant. He wants to please the one God in everything he does. And his music is so amazing. His musical life, in fact, he's worked with such musical greats as, may I say, David, Carol King and Paul Williams, um, composing and co-writing and writing. I don't know how you put it all together, Dave. I don't know how you synthesize all these, these amazing things Together, to the extent that I always say, will the real David Shomer stand up? So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Chaim, for having me and asking me to be a part of this. It's, it's very humbling, and it's a, it's a great honor. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to thank you for embracing the Noamide community, as you have, and really a Torah for all, as your classes are called. I think it's super, super powerful, and um, I've personally gained a lot from being able to be a part of your classes and get to know you personally. Um, I feel very honored. Uh, I remember when I first wrote you saying that I wanted to just just sent you an email that I wanted you to that I wanted to join your classes, and the fact that you not only just didn't do an auto respond to my email, <laughs> but you actually took the took my name and looked me up. And found music and said, "Okay, Walk with Love is now my favorite song." And I'm like, "Okay, this this is my guy. This is this is amazing." So that that was that was incredible, and, and it, it just showed me before we even before I even started learning from you how much care you put into the work that you do. So That's thank you for so very much kind for asking of you, me but to be here. We today. all want to hear about you today. Okay, uh, I'm 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 willing to talk about me, I guess. <laughs> and I think we are also going to be honest with our, our listening group that we actually recorded this. We did our best to record this last week, but we had some technical difficulties doing it. And we made the decision to to re retry it. So here we are on our retry. Amen. So, David, you, you 
are so enthusiastic in the Torah classes that we have, the Zoom classes, I see like the light in your face. You get so excited whenever there's any new revelation of any biblical verses. And it's clear to me that you love Hashem very much. I don't know how um, you were raised. I, I don't think that was part of your upbringing uh, as a child. And then you came to so many levels of realization and self-knowledge. And, and I guess you're still on that odyssey now. And it's taken you through the, these worlds that you connect, the world of music, the, this incredibly specific and I, to me esoteric world of this this knowledge of plant uh, medicine plant healing that you gained in South America that you're now considered to be uh, quite proficient in as a as a practitioner so gosh I, I, I'm, I'm just amazed um, by by the patterns of your life and and I think that that you that our audience, will be very inspired as well because because everybody that is tuning into us is basically also on a spiritual journey on an odyssey of of self-awareness and of searching for how they can connect with the reality of God and I think that's your life story. Wow. Well, I, I want a pocket Heim app that I can just carry around to constantly remind me of these things. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, you, you can look back and then put it in, in perspective. You always say you can, you never see the face of God, but you can look back and see it. I know um, my path has been a, a strange one or a unique one. Um, it's also been wrought with challenges and I wouldn't wish those challenges on anyone, but uh, uh, those challenges taught me. And I, I think I just made a decision to start learning from them and go with the trust of God. I, I was, <clears throat> I, I trust that God is placing in front of me at any given time, something that I'm now prepared to face. So that gives me a, a perspective to say, okay, I'm in the blank, <laughs> uh, but, uh, what's, what's to be learned here? Um, but going back, I, you know, I, <clears throat> my upbringing, I, um, I was raised Roman Catholic. Um, my grandmother was staunchly religious. My parents were not particularly, but um, but we, we did that for my grandmother. And I, I enjoyed going to church. I enjoyed the reverence of it. And I enjoyed everyone coming together in community. And of course, I loved everyone singing together. And I also, as a young kid, just loved the concept of angels. It made total, total sense to me. Um, and so I always had a, a faith in God. Um, uh, there was a lot of stuff in there that I never actually read the book, right? Um, as a youth, it wasn't pushed on you or anything like that. But um, but I always had a very, um, my own personal connection th to God. And I, f I felt that through, through music at a very young age. Um, the first time I walked, <laughs> I was one and a half, I walked to the piano. Um, my father's side of the family is very musical and very, very talented. Uh, Juilliard graduates from the 40s and 30s, um, really exceptional musicians in the classical music. And um, yeah, so and, and uh, later that year after I walked when I was one and a half, I w was also sat down at my um, cousin's drum set and I picked up the sticks and kept playing and didn't want to get off the drum set and it was two hours that I sat there playing until they took me off and then I cried for two more hours afterwards. So I was always drawn to music. I was the kid that would take out all the pots and pans and play on them. Um, and I, you know, I wrote my first, I remember composing the song when I was four years old. Um, I had read a book called Jonathan Livingston Siegel and composed a, a song about it. And it was just arpeggios da -da 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 that went up and down the scale, the, the, the piano, but it made sense to me. That's, that's the way that the seagull flew. So, um, 
and I just have a distinct, distinct remember, uh, memory of, of laying in the uh, our, our French door windows during the rain and listening, just laying there listening to the music that was falling on the lilies. I could hear the music in the in the rain, and um, yeah, and 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 so my life became about music. I played in bands and I did all that stuff. And for a, a little bit of time, I went to Berklee School of Music out in Boston, which was at the time an amazing experience in the '80s. And um, yeah, I got to play with some amazing musicians and get really humbled and understand that music was. Um, this path of learning that, that was never ending, you know, like I get as good as I want on world music percussion, but then someone puts a tabla in front of me and I'm, I'm absolutely like, ah, you know, it takes 40 years to become a tabla player, for example, things like this. But, and then, you know, I, these songs just started coming through me and, um, uh, I started producing and writing and, um, ended up in New York city with a partner, Sam Hollander, I was, um, I come to New York City, I ended up in a show, it's considered, I guess, a Broadway show called Stomp, it's a, but it's a percussion performance theater, they would call it, and it was, it was just music, uh, percussive music, so it was kind of like, I, I was like, I can do this, and I auditioned, and I made, became for part of the first cast, the first U.S. cast, and we did that, did that for three and a half years, I did over 850 shows, and, um, and during that time, I met my, my production partner and writing partner, Sam Hollander at the time, who is still right, right now is one of the top writers in the game. And he, um, we started producing records and, you know, started working with different artists. And, you know, I, we pinned a photo of, of, of Carol King on our wall. And three months later, Carol King came to our door and we were doing wow. sort of hip hop ish music and she wanted to do a hip hop song and we're like, eh, let's let's rough it out. But we we wrote a song called Love Makes the World. You know, my hands are trembling. My hands are trembling while you're re- relating this because this is as close to greatness as I'll ever get, I suppose. <laughs> well <laughs> Carol uh, King. Wow. I was I, I I was it was just one of the greatest days of my life. And uh, remember she's Carol Klein, so the the uh, right. the uh the way we wrote the song and it was great. Uh, it was such a great lesson in songwriting because she's such a great songwriter. She said, well, here's what you got to do. You go to Essa Bagel on 21st and 1st, get us some bagels, get some good schmears and then in a couple <laughs> coffees. So we did that and we sat down and we just talked. We just talked about life until we were coming up against the politics of the day and what's being done to the planet and all the things. And th- this is back in the, early 2000s and and uh what we came to the resolution we're like well love makes the world and she's like yeah that's it that's the song and then she sat down and started playing and uh i heard i heard an npr radio interview i heard an npr radio interview where she talks about what a privilege it was to be working with you how what what an unbelievable songwriter you are oh wow that's so cool well it was it was super special, and then and then it continued. We we had we wrote for people like Donna Summer. Nile Rogers was a highlight for me, um, who was the guitarist and leader of the band Chic. Um, he was a producer too, and, wasn't he? Oh yeah, he's he's yeah. amazing, and um, yeah, and so it was it was just it was it was it was fun, and there was you know there was a music industry, and then Napster came out, and, and it started to shift everything. At the at the end at the tail end of that. <clears throat> 
was me sitting in my studio and, and a, um, a young girl, 15 years old, being brought to us that we were going to write with. And it, her manager's sitting there next to her and her mom's waiting out in the, the waiting room. And he says in front of her, yeah, she looks like Christina Aguilera and she's got 15 years before she gets fat. And I just thought, wow. oof, that's that's a little harsh. And I I just didn't see music in that way. Um, I saw music as very sacred. I always wanted to, to you know, write the song that turned the world on, you know. Um, look, I can think of, you know, because uh, I, I always I really felt music as medicine um, and music as healing and has the ability to do that. I think of James Taylor's song. It's one of the longest standing songs that was on the number one, you know, list for a long time. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Writing this honest, bearing his soul song about losing his fiance, you know, who died in a, a plane crash when the band flew her to the last show to, um, you know, to be able to be there for the show and his heartbreak and that everyone just felt the the honesty and, and the authenticity of his composition and also, you know, Stevie Wonder's songs. I mean, uh, it's medicine for us all. Um, even even Michael Jackson, you know, his song, Looking at the Man in the Mirror, think about the world's top pop song, telling everybody, take a look at yourself in the mirror and make some change. It's it's beautiful. And that, those were the songs that I was called to write. And so I left my production company and I started um, diving into recording um, world music type records that I liked. And um, then at a certain point, um, think I, I had scored the music for a film um, called DMT, The Spirit Molecule, which was just a Talking Heads documentary. It's not really a score, it's more like background music. And um, they had a couple people in it that were talking about ayahuasca. And I got curious and a friend of mine sent me an email and I took took a chance and I got on a plane and I flew to Peru. And uh, I met this tribe um, called the Shipibo, the Shipibo Kunibo. And um, I drank their medicine and had this profound experience, um, as some people um, have talked about, um, but a strong feeling of, of connection. Um, and I was particularly drawn to the fact that it's very unique to the Shipibo Kunibo that with their medicine, they have what's known as a curandero or a curandera, um, someone who sings to bring about healing. And these songs, these melodies were just lighting me up. And I, I musically, you know, I, my, my factor for being happy in the world was as long as I can be a musician, I'm good. <laughs> right. So when I got the opportunity to stomp, I was like, well, I didn't, Never planned to be on Broadway, but I get to be a musician. Uh, when I was writing songs, I'm like, I get to be a musician. When I'm doing recordings, when I was playing on people's records and I played on hundreds of records as a percussionist, I'm like, this is great. I get to be a musician. When I felt the person singing to me and felt what was going on in my body to be healed as I'm in that experience, I was like, okay, that's that's the highest form of musical expression that that I have encountered. Um, and this is just my personal opinion. And I was like, to sing for someone's well-being. And that really shifted things for me. And I said, well, this is very interesting. I, I'm kind of interested to study. And what do I have to do to study? And uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's it, you study by 
by actually working with the plants. And I guess I want to do like a little bit of a, now that we've entered the world of Shipibo, a little backstory. So it's really interesting, Chaim. This is, this is really interesting. This is all pre-Torah, my discovery of the Torah. But um, the Shipibo, Kanibo, they have a, their legends, right? Um, their folk tales are, are very strong. And they have this thing, they say, well, at some point, we are completely connected to the everything in the world, seen and unseen. Um, we had an open connection. Um, it, the plants, for example, the healing plants, um, they weren't just experimenting. They revealed themselves to them. They're like, hey, use me for a fever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something akin to that. They, they have a story that's saying that the turtles actually talked to them and um, were giant and talked to them and... and um, taught them how to build canoes and their homes, which are also round. And um, yeah, so it's very interesting. And then they say, we're completely connected to the world, seen and unseen. And then at some point, there was a sin. We sinned and we broke the connection. Now you ask them, well, what was the sin? And they don't know, right? Um, There's no details on it. It's an oral tradition that's over probably a thousand years old, but there's no information about it. So, but that's that's their mythology, and it's uh, it's very interesting. So, this medicine of ayahuasca was, at the time, brought as a sort of a form of tikkun of healing, to heal that connection that was that had been broken, right. And, so that, um, that, that medicine is actually that old? It goes back, what, centuries or decades or how, how, how far back do no, they know? No one, re- no one really knows, you know. Um, there's, there's analogs of what we call the medicine, right? Almost every culture had an analog of the medicine. Um, some say the ancient Hebrews had an analog of the medicine. Um, uh, we don't know. Um, everything we know about Christmas comes the red and white furs that the Santa Claus wears were the red and white furs that the shaman of the Sami people in Sweden would ride out on the reindeer and pick their agaric mushrooms, their red and white mushrooms, and then feed them to the reindeer, root off the red-nosed reindeer, and then drink the reindeer pee. And <laughs> it's... It's it's yeah. super interesting. So there's analogs of the medicine everywhere. The Native Americans of, of, of North America have their medicine. Um, it, there's different medicines for, for, for all different tribes. And somehow this tribe that was in the middle of, of the Amazon and very hard to get to did not get um, their, 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 their knowledge taken away, their ancestral knowledge. Um, I don't want to speak bad about Roman Catholicism, but I think at one point it really did its best to purge all sacred knowledge and all right. all ancestral knowledge from the planet. Um, so, can I um, ask a question, Dave? How is it that these people? I mean, I find it intriguing. To, how is it that they like accepted you? Because I know that you. This is a something that's passed down, and it's a. It's like you said, it's ancestral. Here you are coming from another world, and yet they've, they, I guess they've embraced you because you are actually initiated in, in this knowledge. How did that work? Well, it's interesting you ask that. You know, I mean, 
the obvious, um, the obvious, re, you know, the obvious answer is, well, we're also, you know, Westerners are bringing money down there. However, the unobvious uh, answer is that they potentially saw something in me. And the, a more interesting answer is that you have this, you have the Shipibo Westerners coming down and here's someone coming and sitting in front of them that has uh, addiction to um, social media or addiction to porn that's ripping their life apart. They see it as a particular construct and they work with it, but they don't really know that. I mean, they just, you know, they just recently got light bulbs and I'm not trying to say that they're primitive by any means. They're, they're, they're very um, educated people, but um I, I think also, um, you know, there's this there's a, um, a word called wetico. It's called the, it's the great forgetting. Um, it's tied to the great forgetting. And but wetico was this disease of greed that the um, the settlers that came to this country came with, and it's an Algonquin word, and it, <clears throat> it's almost a, a, a mental illness of of um, I want to own this river. I want to own this land. It's like it was just carrying over the fiefdom that they experienced in Europe. Um, so I think what, what was happening is then that is those modern forces are pushing on their tribal culture and you have the youngsters now have a cell phone mm. and they the look Shipibo? at the cell phone and they, the Shipibo really? and they see the booty videos. It was very quick that it happened, but it's still happening now. But even then there's the city nearby and the city's quite different. And so the youngsters don't want to train. The, the sons and daughters aren't following in the footsteps of their, of their parents anymore. Um, <clears throat> in many cases, in many cases, they still are. But also in, in all sort of tribal, they've been sort of inundated by this. OK, well now we need money and it changes the dynamic of everything. Um, and also children are very attracted to, you know, this Corvette and this girl wearing nothing, shaking her booty on it. And, you know, all this media distraction that's thrown at people. So I think one one of the there's a story that one of the maestros said, we have to start training the Westerners because they will keep this medicine. They will honor this medicine because the medicine itself is in, for their culture um, for Peru, it's a national treasure, but for their culture, it's very sacred. It's a very sacred thing. It's a very divine medicine. And for the most part, it's treated with a lot of respect. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah. Does so it's, al it's, almost, it's almost like a, a very native, very natural analog to our pharmaceutical world, except it's not driven by greed and, and, and by it's real. avarice. And it's real. Yeah. It's it's the original well, kind. You know. Well, you have you have in the tribe you have <clears throat> people that are called medicos, and they have knowledge of over a thousand plants in the jungle. Uh, I've seen people with an like a guy had a ear infection with pus coming out of his ear, and the medico looks at it and walks into the pharmacy, which is the jungle, and comes back with a handful of herbs, poultices them, makes them into dropper, and goes three drops a day, you know, three drops every four hours. The next day, I'm like, hey, man, how's your ear? And the guy's like, oh, it's great, you know, and just running around like nothing ever happened. Um, <clears throat> we have to remember that all pharmaceuticals 
are generally reverse engineered from plant sources, but then they lose that vital, that vital um, life Purity. force of the plant. Yeah, the well, purity there, of it. There, there is a life force in the plant. You know, exactly. I mean, right. You know, this sounds this sounds like Rabbi. This sounds very much the uh, like the function of the Kohanim. I mean, people I think often forget that the Kohanim in the temple, you could go to them for medical help. You know, mm. and they're they're a priesthood. You know, and so we're seeing that this is you're seeing this on a on a level that's actually continued uh, from its original stages. So, right, and then and and then and then so the the curanderos are the other people, and, and those are the people that work with the sacred medicine. Most people, like people in the tribe, don't drink the medicine. It was just the curandero, and and he was seen as the doctor. So someone would break their leg, and they would go to they go to the curandero. Why? He's not an orthopedic, but there's a reason why he broke his leg. And what's the reason? Was it because someone was having bad thoughts towards him? Because and that's something that's been really interesting on this path to really understand the power of human thought. Um, because of seeing the result of bad thoughts going towards a person, what it can create in their life. You reverse engineer it and say, if I pray for this pe person in a good way, what are those thoughts doing in the terms of like the, the exact polar opposite in a positive way? So that was a very, that was a very interesting um, somatic lesson for me in the power of prayer. So in, sure. in and, your... I was going to say, in your journey, so where where in your journey did you begin to sort of coalesce all this, this knowledge, and uh, how did you connect it to your music, or, or did you? Hmm. Um, I think it's an ongoing journey, Jim. <laughs> I okay. think it, it coalesces yeah. for your whole life. I think it is, it is a path of learning, you know. Um, uh... Yeah, it's it's a path of learning, and like any path of learning, it has either it's 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 like Star Wars, you know. <laughs> you can either train to be a Jedi, or you can give into your emotions, Luke, and use your anger, right? And and so you know, people people fall into false idolatry very easily if they're not straight. Um, but this is interesting. And then I'll come to the false idolatry part. So the way we study is that we, we, we learn directly from the plants, in, in what's called a sama, or they call it a dieta. Be, they call it a dieta because for a certain amount of time that you choose, and you choose with your maestro or maestra, it, you study a plant and you go through incredible, like very strict restrictions. And this is, this is the, the interesting thing. You know, Chaim, at some point you said, and help me out with this, but you know, at some point Hashem spoke to all the tribes and then certain ones didn't want to accept certain things. The Philistines didn't want to give up killing and these other people didn't. Am I correct in this? Right. You're referring to the Midrash that before God gave the Torah at Mount Sinai to Israel, he went around and he asked all the nations and they all rejected it because of something that was in it that they didn't want to have to keep. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's super interesting because when we, we go into a study, uh, it's very interesting when you go into Sama, there's rules. Okay, so there's no salt, no sugar, no pork. Wow. <laughs> no, no uh, uh, you cannot eat food that was prepared by a woman on her moon time. No sexual relations of any kind, including with yourself, right? No alcohol. And you do this for a certain amount of time. And, you know, 
when I started reading the Torah, I started going, whoa, wait a minute. This is what the people were doing as well. And so it seems that the, the message reached them to a certain extent. I mean, the similarities are, are, are quite profound. Um, yeah, so... so Dave, can um, I just say one thing? What intrigues me the most about this whole world is that it's, you're describing it's a spiritual discipline. This whole, this whole concept of the ayahuasca, and it's like you mentioned tikkun. And of course, our sages talk about you know, bringing everything back to Hashem, that there's like an angel that is responsible for, for, for each plant that's growing, and that, that's like shining Hashem's power onto it, but everything is basically coming from, from godly revelation. You know, as a rabbi, so um, occasionally um, I've been asked questions from people about using hallucinogenics recreationally, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> people talking about how, like, well, you know, is that, is that okay? Because, uh, you know, you can have this kind of experience. And, and the, way that, the way that I always dealt with the question when somebody's asking me that about, you know, using recreational drugs is I've, I've always said it's absolutely forbidden and heinous, really, in the eyes of the Torah. Because basically, and then my reasoning is because it's like a shortcut. In other words, there's a certain amount of work that a person has to do on themselves in order to um, learn how to control their their lusts and their and their ego and their and their um, inclinations and and um, in order for something to be real and lasting, you know, there ha- there's a certain amount of work that a person has to do, and there was there and it's a basic principle in Torah with this, that there's no shortcuts, but I, but the way that you're describing y- your experience, it's not it's not like that at all because you're not even talking you're not talking about a shortcut at all, and you're talking about um, Utilizing this this um, device that that's from Hashem, and and there's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of work involved. You're talking about tikkun. You're talking about coming to grips with basically the dark side of yourself and expunging it. And that this that's really the concept of the medicine. So it's re- it's really like a an ancient spiritual discipline that you're talking about. And I, and I know that is one of the things that moved me the most when we first began to talk. And also, I had the privilege of of speaking with, uh, I believe, Jan is is a mentor, right? The idea of of realizing that these plants are not, because it because it's a thin line, you know. People can make this into an idolatrous thing and and attribute and attribute power to the plants, but but what moves me the most is is the recognition that it's really Hashem that's controlling everything. Did I lose you? Mm. I'm, I'm, I think I... Have you lost the rabbi, too? I've lost the rabbi. <laughs> Hello? Oh, here he is. Here, here he is. is. There he is. Hey, guys, what happened? Okay. Ah, uh, you froze. I closed? You froze. You froze. You got stage fright and you froze, rabbi. No, the signal froze. <laughs> so. The signal froze. It was too hot. You, what you were talking about was too hot. It must have it been. It just froze the airways. It couldn't handle the. You can't handle the truth. If it's not this, it's that. I'm telling you, this is this this project of ours is must be the whole world must be depending on this because all these dark forces are trying to shut us down all the time. What I'm trying to say is that, like for me, listening to your Torah and listening to your life, like I I actually this is a legitimate question that I had to myself, like after we did the show the first time, because. First of all, you know, I, n- I never took anything. I tried once, but it had no effect on me whatsoever, right? And nothing's ever had any effect on me, right? So I've always been, because this, is, this was my, my Torah education, is like that, there, that Hashem is reality, you know, and, that we, and, that a per- and I believe that the Torah teaches that a person shouldn't need anything 
um, other th- other than his own, you know, like self um, self work to be able to come to that re- realization. But that's doesn't. But that's not what you're all about at all. Because you're you're really all about the tikkun. And others, I, I from everything that you're describing, it's it's really the opposite. You, you this is actually a framework that helps you to work on your attributes and to confront things that are holding you back and that kind of thing. So that I found that very important and, and, you know, something that I wanted to emphasize that, that, that is like a big difference between people that just do trips and that kind of thing, uh, because right. they're, because it's, a, because that's that part of culture. That's not what this is at all, really. That's, that's the point yeah. that I was trying to make. <clears throat> no, I think it's, I think it's, I think you're hundred percent right. I think it's a question of container. You know, recreationally, that always cracks me up. <laughs> it's like recreation. It's it's there <clears throat> that that doesn't work. That what you're talking about is escapism. Right. Exactly. Um, something that maybe some people could relate to, for example. Um, but but when you have a sacred container, right? When you have a sacred container, um, it completely changes it because you have to come to that container with an intention. Here's my intention. Here's what I'm, what is in front of me. I've gotten my life to this stage. Stage. I'm now like peering over the edge into the abyss. I don't know what's next. And I just need someone to push me. And then I also need someone to catch me. Right. And, and that when you're coming into a container that's created for that, and you're coming in with intentionality and you're, you're, you're sitting in front of people that are straight, that have done their work to, clean their things so that they're not projecting onto you. So they're not judging you um, for what the way that you've chosen to learn in your life. Then they can do their best to bring the healing of the plants to you. But there's no spell casting in, in Shipibo. There's no idolatry. Um, you know, the Shipibo were very much um, hit by missionaries that came there. Um <clears throat> And but there's Bibles everywhere, and so there's a there's a firm belief in God. Our archangels are definitely like an archetype that that uh, that is believed there. Um, it's very 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 interesting. It's very interesting. I, you um, know, I, I think, but I, I think I think, the, I, think right, I think the difference yeah. between a, a container and no container. Just I'll just share this, Jim. Is is you know um, a lot of people have experimented with marijuana, for example. Maybe some of your listeners even. Okay, so you're a kid and you smoked marijuana and then you got really, really, really scared. And you were convinced that your parents were going to catch you and that the cops were coming and that the helicopter flying overhead was there for you and that the aliens were going to come to abduct you. And what it was, was it was actually the medicine of cannabis teaching you about your fear. But you had no container presented to you to be able to understand that. Had you had that container, it could have been a learning experience and it could have been completely different. So, yes, it's 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 all about the container that's built, Heim. It's um, and, and that's 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 the difference between it being um, recreational or sacred. And when people can come with a with a with a heartfelt um, desire to move their lives forward, um, the plants that Hashem created can 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 bring about a, a, a form of tikkun in that then it's up to the person still it's up to their free will you know you can move through things you can see a better way for your life 
um, you can you can have a vision where you are you realize that you're connected to your family to your to this planet to 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 God, uh, yet it still comes back to free will. And when later when I got introduced to the Torah, I was like, okay, it's all there. Um, my teacher simply said to me, hey, maybe you want to read the book, and I said, great. Which one should I read? Well, read the read the original one, <laughs> you know, read the Torah. And I was like. Okay, you know, it's funny in our culture how God had become almost a bad word. But I was, I it was like, I was like, am I entering into a, a religious thing now? Because my experience with with religion wasn't that. And then I got to understand and just read more that it's a it's a faith. And I was like, well, oh, this is cool because I have faith in God, and He's on my side, I believe, and had my back and saved me from some pretty gnarly spills in my life. So, um, yeah. And I started reading it and then I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah. what? Wait a minute. This doesn't, it, it, nothing made. And then we start talking about it and being able to talk about it with someone who's also studying it. And then you start answering questions and asking questions and Actually, what was posed to me um, when I was like eh, a little uh, initially resistant was, listen, you do yoga for your body, right? Do yoga. For, have, when was the last time you did yoga for your mind? I, it's just a joke, but it, it's true because it makes you think different. Um, and I started, um, I think one of the important details about um, when I started reading the Torah, because says, how come I didn't write, find this before in my life? You know, now at the age of 57. And I was like, what, 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 how come the Torah couldn't have come to me before? And I think what was interesting is this medicine path, this path of learning that I went on with the medicine, revealed to me that I, have a, I was running a story, right? I had a story that I was running. <laughs> and, and I caught myself in my story. And I said, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I guess I am the co-creator with Hashem in my story because I'm creating my story through my choices. Sure. And I'm that is <laughs> through such my a, own that free will. That is such a Torah, a Torah wisdom. I, 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 that's the, the, the brilliant and profound way, how you're summarizing it. Do you consider yourself to be a religious person? If someone would ask you, are you religious, how would you answer that? And I'll, I'll tell you where I'm coming from, because I don't like that word. And if anybody asks no. me if I'm religious, <laughs> I always say no. And of course, they think that that's ridiculous. You're a rabbi. How could you not be religious? I don't like the word because it's, it's, it conjures up images of something man-made, ritualistic, right. by rote, uh -huh. by rote, unfortunately, and, and something that's very restricting and, and that's very oppressive and and uh, um, I, I learned something uh, long ago that I think is one of the greatest pearls of wisdom ever, and that is that the true definition of what it means to be religious is to be sensitive to, to the moment, to each moment. Because Hashem is always throwing things at us, and time is, is just changing all the time. And everything is always new, and, he's, and he's, that's the secret of Hashem's name, is that He's bringing all of creation into being at every moment. And that requires a tremendous amount of, of consciousness, what is this? How does the song go? Consciousness is a choice, right? And uh, from Walk with Love, and, and and it requires a tremendous presence of mind, and I like to call it spiritual maturity to be able to deal with the shifts that are going on all the time in our own lives, and so 
that to me is a the truly religious experience is when we're sensitive to, to each moment, and that means to be sensitive to each other and to ourselves. So to me, like, you're a deeply religious person. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and shift happens, Haim. <laughs> shift happens. Um, there's a t-shirt, I think. So, anyway, when I started to read the Torah, then I was like, okay, because I had uncovered my story, when I was reading these stories, these tales, and I'm not trying to belittle it whatsoever because it, the Torah continues to just amaze me at the depth of what's there, but but there are tales about people. I could I could start to read them saying, okay, this is talking to me directly. And what, what part of me is in that story? And, oh, geez, that, that you know, the, the book of Kings is brutal. And I'm like, wow, what, what, where, what parts of my, in my past have I gone down those same roads? And then can I sit with forgiveness and, and, and judgment? And that was one of the most uncomfortable books I've read. <laughs> the Kings was just like, oh, oh, it was just brutal. But, but, but also like David. I mean, you read about David and it's like, wow, talk about radical self-acceptance and, and the, the ability to ask for forgiveness. And, 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 and so to me, it, w- it was just uncovering just totally different, totally different things. Um, and then as I continue to read, you know, um, it's, it's interesting, this process of this, this diet that we, we go on or, or Sama that we go to learn, it, you know, the, the Rabbi Nachman has his Sipurei uh, Masiat and uh, the, the first tale, you know, the viceroy goes to look for the, the, the daughter of the king who was pushed away because the king spoke some negative words about her. Once again, the power of thought and the power of, of, of the way that we're connected in, as humans is, is all outlined in the Torah and it's all real because we experience this, I've experienced it firsthand in, in ceremony. And um, he finds the, 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 the princess, right? Uh, and and, and she tell, he says, how can I get you out? And what does he tell her? It, she, he's, she says, go sit under that tree for a year <laughs> and and whatever you do when you leave don't eat the fruit right and you know i know that robbie knockman's words we're never going to understand him until the mashiach comes like right but i dropped my phone i was reading on my phone i dropped my phone i was like this is you got to be kidding me because in shipibo this is a practice when you want to become a, a, a wisdom holder, you want to become, a, you know, a practitioner it, in the particular school that I, of it, that I was re- reared in, you have to complete what's called a baritia neteya, which traditionally, you know, I was able to, which means a one-year discipline of this sama or the dieta. So that's one year, no salt, sugar, pork, red meat, dairy, fermented alcohol, sex, Right. That teaches you a lot about your container. Um, but I, I dropped my phone. I was like, is this an allusion to dieta? Or, but maybe I'm wrong. It, it just I couldn't believe the, the similarity there. And of course, we have these restrictions. So she gives him his restriction and he fails that. And then she, he comes back seven years later and she says, go sit in the tree again for a year. But this is the way that the, you know, there's, there's Shipibo Curanderos of lore that were uh, known as Moriah, and they 
when these these guys died, it and even some some Onanya that I've met in um, some very older um, uh, curanderos of the Shipibo tradition, like his dad took him out to a tree and sat him down under a tree and left him there for a year. And that was the traditional diet that you sat under a tree and you only ate what God provided for you. Wow. And you learned in that way. So when I read it in Rabbi Nachman, I, I was, I, I, like I said, I dropped my phone and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm under no illusion, uh, you know, um, well, let me just speak it. Uh, I'm not trying to make any assumptions and pardon me for saying it, but it's very interesting to me that Moshe is first spoken to by God through a bush. <laughs> I've, I've, I've also dieted many bushes. Is that an allusion to the plants have an ability to connect us to Hashem? And and I think that that's that's super interesting. Well, you, I know, think, you know, I just got to tell you that this, the sages emphasize why why did why a bush because of its smallness because it was a, it was like a it was like a vision of humility. And so, mm. basically, that's what you're saying that you that this connection to the plant world it teaches you humility. Uh, one one would hope. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. You get you get humbled by the medicine, mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. And you know this is something that that seems to uh, be so pervasive about about these disciplines that you've been exposed to, and you know I I you know the the if you had talked to me like thirty forty years ago when I was in my old ways of thinking my old ways of of being quote religious unquote. I would have I would have objected to everything that you said today, because I would be like those missionaries, like this. You know, this is this sounds like some kind of voodoo. Yet, they could not these these missionaries of old that went in and, and destroyed these these ethnic populations and their priests. Uh, they they apparently uh, could not see that Hashem's wisdom had infused. The entire world and and different cultures. You know that's why in the that's why the, 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 this people may not make this connection, but you know in the Sheva Mitzvot, the, the 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 laws for the nations is one of them is set up courts of justice. The reason for that is that every God says every culture has a unique aspect to it. They have their own medicines. They have their own way of dealing with their environment, and and these people in Peru. They sound like like an original model for a uh, a nation who held on to the wisdom of that we now know as Torah, and were able to apply it. And you know, I, I think there's some kind of connection that even even we would even see as even historical if we could find it that that part of the world has a distinct connection to uh, uh, the, the Jewish people in some way. Because there are ne there are Hebrew names all through South America, you know. We we talked in an earlier conversation about uh, the word Amazon. Is is uh, it sounds like it's from the same root as as Mazon. And uh, Mazon, Mazon, which means sustenance. Sustenance, and which is it's you know you could call it the breadbasket of South America or even the world with its riches and foods and medicines. Uh, Brazil, Brazil. The the main export of Brazil is is iron. Uh, 
And, and what is the Hebrew word for, for iron? Barzel. And there are rivers. It just goes on and on. It's, it's completely fascinating what, what you're, everything you're saying. And I hope our listeners aren't think that we're that by having you on that we're advocating for for people to suddenly take take on drugs because the the problem is most people want to they want to as you've pointed out they want to run away from their problems by taking drugs and what's amazing to me is that every time you talk about the the people like your own experiences is the same thing that happens in 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 Torah when people would go to the Kohanim, and it's always their 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 problems are always emotional and psychological. It's it's a, their 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 heart and their soul and their mind. And what's the first thing that what is the first thing when people go through these healing processes like ayahuasca? What's the first thing that that leave that departs? If I'm understanding you, is their ego right? Isn't there is don't their their sense of ego? Isn't that the first thing that dissolves away or not? Well, I well, first of all, I, I'd say I'm 100% not advocating for anything. No, I know you're um, not. I want. I, and I'm 100. Well, it's just important to say, and it's 100% important to say, I'm not advocating for any drug of any sort. Um, I'm 57. I just started taking ibuprofen because my my sometimes <laughs> my bones need it. But uh, you know, there's a distinct difference between drugs, exactly, in particular pharmaceuticals and medicines. Pharmaceuticals, well, pharmaceuticals, you know, someone comes and they have a pain in their stomach. Uh, they go to the doctor and they say, Doc, I got pain in my stomach. And the doc says, Oh, you got something itis, which means you got pain in your stomach. And then uh, I'm going to prescribe you this medication. And what a, the, the goal of most medications, almost all medications, is to mask symptomatic pain. Medicine, medicine is completely different. Medicine brings everything up. In other words, there may be an emotional root why that person was having pain in their stomach. Were they swallowing their pride over and over again? You know, human beings, we take on energies and these energies store in our body. I mean, modern science is now storing data within the cellular structure of silicon or water. And what are we walking around with? We're walking around with crystalline structures, structures of water. The water in us isn't like liquid water. It's, it's, it's salt uh, crystalline structures which is amazing. You're a crystal. You're a walking crystal. How fascinating is that? I, thought, I find that fascinating. And it stores data. So, um, yeah, people are able to release things. You said losing your ego. I, you know, I'm of the ilk. Is like your ego is this amazing evolutionary device, right? It keeps you alive for as long as possible, right? That's its role. And it's, but it's a subconscious script. So, you know, we stuck our hand in the fire. We get burnt by the fire. We learned to take our hand out of the fire. Right. Um, we don't jump off a two story building because we know we'll break our legs. We look both ways before crossing the street. Please don't lose your ego. It's good. But we also learned, you know, uh, every uh, movie that people watch where a, a guy man rode in on a white horse to save the woman. It's programming. We saw this is this is we're getting signals from also from our our society, our societal structures. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about when you start reading the Torah is like, I was sitting there going, are, are we out of Egypt yet? Have we even started the Exodus? You know, is this the beginning of the Exodus? What's going on here? You know, um, meaning humanity in its current state. And so there's a lot of programming that we've taken on. And there's, there's, 
everything your parents loved and also everything your parents were afraid of. And at a certain point, a person's what we want to say higher self, meaning what God wants you to be potentially, is is speaking to you saying, come on up to this, this place. And I think the medicine, um, these sacred medicines help people get in touch and be able to view that subconscious script to make really clear decisions on it. That could be part of the, the process of it. But in terms of losing their ego, yeah, humbling is humbling is safe to say. Um, it, you know, there's there's a saying that um, ayahuasca is for everyone, and everyone's not for ayahuasca, and that's it's a hundred percent true. It's um, it's it, it can be very brutal as well. You know, there's a, there's some things I'm not going to go into, but it, it can be it. You will definitely be uncomfortable, and um, you know, we are the the most comfortable people. To, and most privileged people to ever walk this planet, hundred percent. I mean, it's like never before have we had this level of comfort. And when I think about what our forefathers went through to get us to this place and the discomfort that they embraced because they were simply alive and happy to be alive and happy to be serving Hashem, it's, it's, that's humbling. That's just super, super humbling. Um, yeah, well, that's that's um, that's I what I meant. I meant I meant I meant the. Of course, ego is. I mean, you know, Hashem gave us that. But what I'm I'm talking about is is ego, and when the word means like like I'm I'm talking about the narcissism that we all have to fight. Like the Kabbalah calls and, it and, the will to receive from for oneself alone. That's the whole idea of of, of Adam of, of of Adam Harishon eating from the from the tree again. Everything always gets back to the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. Is that the idea of ego in this sense is that entered there entered into the person this a certain kind of self centeredness and that's what you want to break. I just want to say I just want to say about this conversation. You know, the fact is there what what you're really illustrating, Dave. Also, there is a primordial wisdom. There is an ancient wisdom that permeates. So all over the world, all cultures. You you talked about how surprised you were about these similarities and restrictions and different things that it's coming from a place of an understanding of you know the boundaries that a person has to take in order to enter into the sacred, and that the, the Torah also has these boundaries. The fact is, there you know there is this wisdom, this natural wisdom that people are able to access. If they're if they're really looking for Hashem, there's mil- billions and billions of people in the world, and they're all descended from Noah. And whether or not they know that they have a covenant with God, as you've discovered, whether or not they understand the significance of of uh, living a certain kind of of life, you know, of, of covenant with God. That's what the whole idea of Torah is, and the the, the Noahide covenant also is that it's action oriented, that we have to do something to show our to show our commitment to God. You know, the, you're, what you're all about, in, in, to me, is the odyssey of one soul that is going through all the things that Hashem is, all the doors that Hashem is opening up for you, and you're connecting everything in your life. And that's what I think should be, and I think it is, an inspiration to anyone who hears your story. It's about listening to, to all of these voices and seeing the divine providence in your life. And, and like you said, Hashem, speaking to you through music from the time that you were a child and that's that's the beautiful thing about living is finding Hashem in everything and elevating everything to Hashem. You know, you're not. We're not talking Pfizer here. We're not talking about pharmaceuticals. We're not talking about about uh, you know um, the, the powers that be, the evil powers that be. And we're not talking about recreation. We're talking about the paths that a person that are open to a person that uses them with with intelligence and with sensitivity to try and 
and um, navigate through all of the, the, the obstacles that hold us back from attaining a, a, a certain kind of spiritual connection to, to Hashem that should stay with us all the time. That's what this is all about. And music certainly is a very, very big part of that as well. And what, what I really want to ask you is, I'll just say one more thing, I want to ask you something. When you write music, and for, first of all, I don't know, I didn't get a chance to say this really, so I, I want our audience to be aware of the fact that you have a tremendous body of work I want to I want to leave some that information in on our page here of the of the program. You have uh, playlists and on Spotify and Apple Music, and you've got a lot of music out there. there you've got the music known as the Medicine Sessions and and many other uh, pieces of work as well. All the world world kind of music that you've done. Uh, and I also want, before I forget, I also want you to tell people about the name that you record under and, and what it means. But Dave, I want to ask you a question. When you write music, is it a spiritual experience for you? And where do you get, where, from where do you draw your inspiration? You've written so many songs and you've, you, again, maybe you want to tell our audience how many, how many movies you've also been involved with in the soundtrack. Where does it come from you for, for you, the inspiration? Well... I, you know, <clears throat> it doesn't come from me. I, I, my human experience informs the inspiration. Um, it took me a while. I, you know, I, when I was writing with my partner in New York City and, and producing bands, I got into the and, and met Carol King and others. I started really looking at, you know, song structure and, and I had learned it from Berkeley as well, like understanding song structure and things like this and un understood how to craft songs. But I also thought that everybody channeled songs. <laughs> I just thought that that was kind of how it happened. And then I didn't understand it till later. I mean, my first song on piano, like, where did it come from? That was a existential question to me, but I always felt, um, you know, a lot of my songs are born out of, um, believe it or not, um, what some people would deem uh, depression. I don't, I don't, I don't fear becoming overwrought when I, when I, um, I don't call it depression though. I, but when I, when I become like overwrought by something, you know, like um, I realize what's what's happening to people, and uh, or I feel the what's going on. I mean, you mentioned the pharmaceutical companies, not to mention that all of them were created during the Holocaust. They're all German companies, Bayer, Merck, Pfizer. It's like, uh, right? Uh, so, you know, that stuff affects me. I'm a human being. Like, what is going on in my country? So, you know, I'll take something like that. And that hasn't been a specific form of, well, maybe it was part of one song, but, and, and I'll get like, oh, and when I can't take it anymore, I'll grab one of my instruments and and I'll just let myself ex allow myself to express what wants to be expressed. And I think through years of doing that, um, you know, and then getting over my own personal judgments and my own personal um, uh yeah, just judgments on myself. Oh, that wasn't good. You sang a wrong note. Well, it's not a wrong note. Sing it again. How does it feel? You know, and going through those things to being able to just trust what was coming through. Um, I was recently in the jungle for two and a half months and I had a song come through that was 10 minutes long and I listened back to it and I 
changed like two words from like they to we or something like that. But the song was there and I was like, that's cool. Could I, and at a certain point I was like, I can't, I don't even feel like I can put my name on these songs because these, uh, it came through me. Okay. Fair enough. But, um, but I really felt I was receiving, um, and I don't want to sound like I'm claiming anything here, Haim, but it, you know, it feels like just divine inspiration. Exactly. Um, and, and, um, yeah, but I'm not trying to like, claim that I'm the divine inspiration guy it, but when it when it flows I don't really understand it and but I don't question it either I just allow it to flow um yeah I think I that, that I think that art that. is divine inspiration mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well I think art is also is also it, it's like a, it's like uh there's a very famous producer who was just doing a podcast and he was saying it's kind of like diary entries it's like if you can be you don't you wouldn't lie in your diary so don't lie to yourself when you're writing a song. You know, there's so much there's so much happening in the modern music industry that's being pushed on people where it's like up in the club doing this thing. It's like, were you really up in the club doing the thing? Like, is that what you're doing? Or were you just doing that to be crafty because you knew you'd get a hit? So it's like, that's not honest. That's not the James Taylor song about like revealing one's soul. And like that's ends up on the, you know, number one for one of the longest spans ever you know but people respond to honesty so it's like if you can be honest in in what you're what you're creating and and uh i think it 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 changes the scope of everything so i i strive for that honesty i strive for that like um and i also want to always speak to the highest perspective and this ties into you asked about my name tete Bero, and it uh it's it you know shapibo is a very ancient language they they say it's it's what's known as a a seed sound language so things are are given a name based on how they sound um so the hawk as it flies overhead or the eagle as it flies overhead goes right so they call the hawk or the eagle a tete and um bergeau is a word for i so it's Eye of the Hawk or Hawkeye, which is funny because MASH was my favorite show <laughs> growing up and my favorite character was Hawkeye. I mean, come on. And, <laughs> but it also meant to me, Eye of the Hawk, okay, so, oh, that's the perspective of the hawk. And it, 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 was, it, was, a good, it was a great name because it challenged me to always develop that, that higher perspective. Um, and how, you know, how can I be above the, the quagmire looking down at it, getting a a grander over picture of it. And, um, so there was boots to fill when I, when I got the name and that I hadn't yet filled. And, um, I think even in my songwriting, for me, I I look at it in that way. Uh, I don't want to preach to people. I'm very careful that I'm not preaching to people or trying to tell people to do something. Um, and I just want to take a higher perspective. Um, yeah, so that, that's the way I, I sort of dive, dove into that. And one other thing I wanted to talk about was um, when I was just there uh, in Peru the last time for two and a half months, I, I was uh, reading a lot. It was just, it, it's so nice to be in the jungle with no helicopters and airplanes and the, 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 the sound of the jungle is just 24 seven. Uh, the cicadic rhythms are definitely like 
on full, you know, literally at 6 a.m. and at 6 p.m. the cicadas come out and it's a chorus of thousands and thousands of cicadas just going and it's like super loud and it's like you're like literally in a sound bath. You have no option but to get out of bed at six in the morning. It's like, wake up. So um, it's fantastic. And and so I was in that and I just started reading voraciously and um, and I, I had this this moment where I was like, I, I sort of made a prayer and about it, it that I, I didn't want to approach reading the Torah that I'm trying to extract something from it, uh, which to me was an important distinction because uh, I believe this, you know, certain things in our modern society, we live in a very extractive society. You know, we drive cars, all, everything that the car was made out of was extracted from deep in the earth. The We're burning the... <laughs> the oil in our, our gas tanks, it, people want to get something from people. And I was like, I'm actually just really enjoying reading it. And I, I, I don't want to extract anything and I, I don't want to approach it from that mindset. And it was, it was just a small shift, but I think it, 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 it opened something for me. Um, and yeah. And it's like, I think on any path of learning, and in particular for this path of learning, I think it's it's it was really powerful to have any sort of a spiritual roadmap. Um, I've seen people come to the jungle without a spiritual roadmap. And they died a plant, for example, and then they bring the plant home. <clears throat> and they start doing everything that the plant told them to do, which could be actually the plant is leading them to their quickest and highest learning through the roughest way that they could be choosing. But it doesn't matter because they took this plant now and they put it on their altar and they said, right, I've got this plant, right? This, my life's going to be about this plant. And then it doesn't really work. So they go back to the jungle and they get another one and they're like, great. Well, now I've got two idols on my, on my uh, altar here, right? It, when you have a roadmap, you, you understand that it's not about that. And it, it's, it's um, like I said, the, the people are not pushing the ideology. This is a merely Westerners interpretation of it because it's exotic and it becomes orientalized and they, they take it and they, you know, and um, it, it works like that. But I think it's, um, yeah, I think definitely having a roadmap and the roadmap that's there in the Torah is very, very clear, like avoid the idolatry. And it's also interesting because a lot of the people that are coming are suffering from idolatry and they don't even know it because they've gotten um, hooked into social media. So their idolatry is self or their idolatry is fame or their idolatry is greed or their idolatry is power. And to really understand that we're not just talking about a golden calf and you could expound on this rabbi, but like, but these, these other things are, <laughs> they become idols right. and people then they, they lose their track because they've, they've gone down the wrong path. 
Exactly true. That's what the idolatry is today. It's uh, the Torah's uh, always returning to that theme and warning us against the lure of idolatry because when a person worships an idol, the bottom line is what they really worship because themselves. And the idol, no matter what it is, is just a device. And then they create their whole morality system around what they've decided is what they want. And so it's instead of God making man in his image, we make gods in our own image of what we want, of what will serve our purpose. That's what idolatry really is all about. I have a special request. Um, Please. Some of your most, most beautiful music to me, some that's moved me the most, is, is your rendition of King David's Psalms. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping um, that you would um, sing a song for us. Uh, absolutely, you know I um, thank you. I, I've been just sharing those with you, so this is going to be fun to share it with um, from a different place. Um, I hope it's okay that I asked you. You ha- you have shared some oh, with me, yeah. It's it's fantastic. I would love to. I would hundred percent love to, and um, I'd love to hear what your your audience um, feels about them. I um, you know I was talking about this the singing aspect of that the the curandero is is singing to bring about a, a tikkun in the person and it's and it is a form of prayer and connecting deeply with that and then um i had gotten exposed when last time i was there in peru uh, uh a lot of people were reaching out of this is happening to my 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 father my daughter uh, different things and <clears throat> i was the psalms are Amazing. Uh, I, I, I want to learn more about them, um, but I found them to be incredible. And what I learned, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, is that you one of the ways to, to utilize them um, uh, to pray for a person was to <clears throat> find the person's age and then pray the next number psalm up. And, um, and then, then, of course, it was also... Um, but in the traditional sense, it's like you're not counting the number of years you're dead. So if somebody says they're uh, 57 in, 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 in Western thought, that's counting the number of years that you've died. <laughs> but, but you're actually 58 because it was nine months in the mother's womb and three months before that the message of the angels came, right, to deliver the message of your arrival. So you're actually 58. So then I would pray 59. And when I... Is that correct? Well, it'll, it'll work. If it works for you, it'll work. Okay. Okay. It seemed to make sense to me. And so I started, what I found was that when I was reading those prayers for the person and praying for the person, praying their psalm to them, that, that there was either like directly spoke to what they were going through or, or the situation that David was in when he composed that psalm was what the person was going through. And and I was like, what is it? it, it those Psalms are so divine. I, I, it, I And it, it blew me away. And then I started thinking, well, these are songs. And I've been told that there's some notation under the, the writing. And I wanted to delve into that. And I said, well, let me, let me just, let me just give it a try. And I'll, I'll just put my intention that David, you, Show me what to do. And I started singing them and recording them for friends and sending them to them. And then they could feel it. And it, 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 
it was it, it was a it's it's been a beautiful process and I have not yet honestly read through every single psalm yet but the ones that I have read through have just really really touched me um, one of the ones that touched me personally is uh, 36 um, and I was praying it for for some friends and I also saw like you know what's going on in the world right now it was very very clear um, that this psalm was speaking to that as well. And, th and that's the, the really interesting thing about the Torah to me. It's so alive and it's so speaking to right now. It's speaking to me in the past, it's speaking to me in the, in the present, and speaking to me in the future as well. So, um, yeah, I'd love to share it. Um, <clears throat> let me see. I believe I have it memorized, but I'm going to keep the book open just, just in case. Just in case. Uh, it's interesting because <clears throat> the instrument that I chose to sing this with is a, a West African harp um, called an Ngoni. And the interesting thing about it, I think, is that, um, you know, the Solomonic dynasty had such a far reach. Um, so many African kings came to visit King Solomon. And I often wonder if this is a West African... I'm probably going to offend somebody, but if this is a West African um, interpretation of King David's harp, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, let me give this a try. So this is Psalm number thirty-six. For the conductor by the servant of Hashem by David Transgression speech to the wicked is in my heart That he should find there should be no dread of God before his eyes. For it's smooth the way before him in his eyes. That he should find his iniquity. Your kindness, your 
face is to the upper heights Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains Your judgments are like the vast deep waters You say both man and beast Oh Hashem How precious is your kindness Oh God takes refuge in the shadow of your wings they will be sated from the abundance of your house and from the stream of your delights you will give them the dream If by your light may we see light Extend your kindness to those who know you And your charity Then not the food of the arrogant come to me, and may not the hand of the wicked move me. There they fell, the practitioners of iniquity. They will thrust down and unable to rise. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> Breathtaking. That's why your name is Thank David. You. Lovely. Well, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robert. What an honor. Thank it you so much. It feels beautiful to be seen by you. Wow, sharing that with us is so, so profound. So, our listeners, our viewers can find you as Tete Barro on YouTube and on all the music platforms. You have so much amazing work. And Thank you. That's T E T E B E R O. And um, I've also done a series of music called The Medicine Sessions. And I'm really excited because uh, I just put up a new, um, a new release, which are, it's called Songs from the Jungle because they really are songs from the jungle. I literally recorded them at the end of the night um, uh, with the jungle around us um, on my phone <laughs> with, with a little plug-in microphone. And, uh, and 
just bringing the songs very naked as they were, as this song was. Um, and I, 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 I very, also as a producer, I will spend months and months producing the song, but this was a fun exercise to say, well, this was a moment in time, this was the song, and it was presented in a good way. And that's coming out on the 13th of March. I'm very excited about that. Um, songs from the Jungle, so yeah. Um, thank you so much. It's really been amazing. And again, for me, just to know you as a friend and as a, a fellow journeyer along the way towards connecting with Hashem, it's a, it's a privilege. Thank you so much for being with us. Are you kidding me? I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much, Jim. Also, I loved your questions and I love watching your podcast that you guys have together. I love the chemistry that you two have. It's super awesome. And you hear thank that, you so Jim? much, Karen, for asking. Huh? I'm asking Jim. You hear that? He says we have a good chemistry. I'm, I'm, uh, I, well, from the man who knows chemistry on the most primal level, I, that's that's a big compliment <laughs> right there. I, I just want to say, I just want to say, uh, it's been hard to ask questions because um, you, we just want to listen to you because I, th I think what I'd like to to say is is uh, that I see an incredible journey of someone who has um, who has. I think exhibited an amazing amount of spiritual and and uh, emotional maturity, and so I'm not surprised that you began to to really sounds like you really began to really step into this journey. Really, at what was it, 56? You said, or what age you were? Anyway, you, to, to me, that is the, the the blessing is to hear your journey and to see you mature. Because you you've been so accepting of all of these challenges, and 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 use them as learning experiences, and that's that's what we're supposed to do. You've done exactly. You've you've been a model for us on on how to apply Torah in your life, and that's important. Well, thank you so much, Jim. It wasn't always so graceful. I, I think now I have the wisdom. Looking back, <laughs> there was some struggling and fighting. I definitely learned a lot from the uh, the class on Job that uh, the rabbi gave recently. That was super profound. And and yeah, it, I've had my my moments in in the past for sure. I'm I'm, I'm not sitting on any uh, precipice of uh, of perfection or anything like that. I'm I'm quite very much a human and and very much loving this 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 gift that we have to be here alive to experience humanity and um uh, i've gone through all all changes of it but i really appreciate the compliment thank you so much amen thank you so much sending all of our viewers blessings and love shalom 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 rabbi thank you so much again